morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I am Marcus Olivari, also known as Flatman11, and today we are going to take you on a journey to preview the Asian Le Mans series for the 2019-2020 season, and joining me on that intrepid journey is, funnily enough, two Americans. We've got here Austin Zetsman, Cookie Monster FL. G'day, in oh. my terrible Australian accent. Get out, nah, already I'm sick of you, you're gone. And um, and as well, I have returning to the podcast after a little bit of a break. Chris Washer ninety seven, welcome back, Chris. Uh, it doesn't feel that long. It was I since was July. Back in the horse. It was literally five months ago since you were last on this podcast. <laughs> doesn't feel that long, but that's because we haven't done that many episodes since then. Don't tell anyone. Shh. I feel like sports car racing though has like five breaks or off seasons too so i think we're i think all of us are used to the elongated uh breaks unfortunately but good to have you back chris yeah it's good to have you back chris um to be fair the reason we haven't done that many episodes because we just haven't caught up on imsa yet still remember when we went to do an imsa season review cookie Oh yeah, that's right. We still haven't done yeah. that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Things happened. I hear. I, yeah, during the IMSA season too. So I'm gonna have to discuss that at some point. At some point in the future, once I finally watch Petit Le Mans and all those other races. But it's okay because we're here because this weekend is the opening round of the Asian Le Mans series. Um, so guys, what is the Asian Le Mans series? It's a uh, a series created by the ACO who realized that they needed to have a Asian market because it was a market that you know was pretty much ignored for a while for top tier prototype racing and it was it was you know kind of an easy decision back in like 2013 um, they made the series um, it did start off just horribly though because overall grids were less than ten cars some years um but since then things have steadily picked up they did have one great season they kind of stepped it back a bit I think they only had around twenty cars last year. But now we got about a full 34 full entry. So this year's looking even better than ever. Yeah, so it's basically ACO over the winter. Well, I mean, the northern winter. For me, it's going to be the middle of summer. And we'll get to that a little later on because that's a very important fact when we start looking at the calendar. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a top-level ACO racing in Asia, which is exciting. Uh, because we're going to some awesome Asian tracks with some pretty exciting Asian teams. Um, and yeah, it's, as Chris said, it's an important uh, niche in the market uh, for this part of the world. Um, and it also fills in the ACO calendar quite a bit as well, uh, because, you know, we have the IMSA series, which acts as the ACO surrogate in America, which runs alongside the uh, European series in the ELMS, both of them being your traditional northern summer series. And then this kind of fills in the gap in the off-season. Um, but importantly, this year, it doesn't feel like a ELMS winter season. Uh, and we'll get to that a bit later on. It's actually got uh, quite a number of Asian teams and Asian cars, which, you know, is uh, a really good... Uh, I guess, sign of health of the series. Because as Chris said, you are right. And when it first started, you know, it didn't have English comms. It had entirely, uh, you know, Asian broadcasting uh, with very, very poor quality streams with like 10 cars on track. So it's definitely come a long way in a very, very short amount of time. And you're not even, you're, you're only thinking of a couple of years ago. I'm talking like 2013, 14, see, or in the series itself. 
uh, finally got off the ground. They had oh, they didn't even stream the races live. They only had like first it was like a thirty minute highlight show, then they had like an hour highlight show. There's only there's there's only highlight shows, mm. but that back there's only like ten cars in the grid, so it didn't make sense to stream those. Back then they're about three hour races. Now they're four. Yep, which is now like ACO standard. Yep. Which is pretty nice. I think something to mention too with this is that this shows a strength of the LMP2 platform that would I would criticize on one hand by, you know, restricting the amount of, you know, differentiation you can get with engines, chassis, etc. But this also allows teams with a unified formula cheap enough to actually move around and enter different uh series especially when you can when you don't have calendar conflicts when you and you almost don't even have season, uh, season conflicts and you can have where you have european teams enter um you know this championship as well which is kind of where the aco wanted with the lmp2 class when it was originally you know re, you know reduced to this four chassis format and that's a yeah. that's a great point. Sorry to jump in over the top of you, Chris. And I remember just to expand on that when I had a chat to Graham Goodwin at Bathurst last year. He said that uh, in Asia specifically, the market for prototypes was quite small because you know no one wants to uh, go and buy a Ligier or a Orica because you know you're driving down the street, no one knows what that is. But we're seeing we we've already seen. A, a large uptick in LMP2 entries from these Asian teams. So it looks like that prototype market is actually beginning to grow in Asia. And uh, in part, that is because of the low barrier to entry and because of European teams bringing some cards across. Chris, you were about to say? And not to mention the fact that some of these European Le Mans Series teams, like if, they, if they're like out of luck for that season of the European Le Mans Series, they may, if they have the money or the funds, they, they see a chance to still get invited to Le Mans with the Asian Le Mans series because not to drag down the series a bit, but in relative terms, it's kind of an easier grid to compete with to get those entries. Yeah, so we'll we'll mix up our um, our initial run sheet. We'll talk about that. So why do we care about the Asian Le Mans series? And I think Chris has already hit the nail on the head there. Why do we care, Chris? Well, it's ACO racing over the winter and with the help of the Asian Le Mans series, I think with the calendar that we have, it makes that we have an ACO race every single month of the year, which is fantastic. Um, if you love th- those prototypes and uh, those uh, GTE or, well, not GTE in Asian Le Mans series case, but G- ACO GT racing in general. And plus, it's Le Mans entries are on the line. So there's th- there's a there's a fact that you need to watch this to, you know, if especially for Fantasy WEC, if you want to have a more in-depth look of how these teams are and make a better uh, choice in picking your pick for Lamont, Asian Lamont series is probably the way to go, as well as the, all the other ACO series. Yeah, so that's that's actually a really good point. It's it's ACO racing, which in, in itself has been pretty good for the past few years. But yeah, the, the, the not gift, but the uh, invites of uh, the 24 Hours of Le Mans, you know, the uh, LMP2 class gets, I think it's one invite. Uh, the LMP2M class also gets an invite. And we'll talk a bit about that later on. And then uh, the GT class gets, an, I think, two invites uh, for the GTE class or the GT3 class winners. Because um, we had, what, Car Guy Racing last year. And did we have a... Uh, second 
Proton car come through the Asian Le Mans series, or am I making that up? I don't think Proton was an Asian Le Mans last. Okay, so maybe just one car in GT3, and then the LMP3 cars also get a Le Mans invite. So there's there's a a string of invites, which, as you mentioned, if you've come from the ELMS and uh, missed out on a invite from the ELMS, uh, it might be your best chance to to get a automatic invite to Le Mans. Um, so, uh, yeah, it is only first. It's in fact only first place in um, each of the classes. So uh, there's quite a bit of competition on the line for getting these invites. Um, yeah, anything you wanted to add to that, Cookie? Uh, yeah, the the unique track and and the unique, uh, I would say, conditions scenarios of this championship are something that I'm interested in. Um, it's going for the first time that we'll have an ACO event at uh, in Australia uh, back there. So that is at a new facility. Which Woo! Hey, knows very about- well. Adelaide, American Lamar series. Yes. So. Oh yeah. Well. Okay. Fine. Sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll chat about that, that was, later. On. That. Well. That was. That was IMSA sanction with ACO rules. So I guess. Yeah. You're right. All right. Fire it up. Um. But what I'm really excited about. Four hours of Pang, It's gonna be at. It's gonna be at either I think fading into night or complete darkness. So that will be an awesome, awesome race at a legendary track in my opinion i think that's one of the my favorite tracks that unfortunately doesn't even get an f1 venue anymore so mm. thank you asian law series for visiting that track um and they also go to thailand so why not i mean that is an uh, interesting circuit and At i'm Burim, glad yeah. yeah i'm really glad that uh that we're going to see prototypes back there again yeah also well- also too my second point is the the tightness of the calendars we only have four events that means that uh you know, you could capitalize a lot on other people's mistakes and you cannot make mistakes. Mm. But it also means that you can have crazy, crazy champions because as long as you can string out just enough good races, the championship is just right around the corner. I mean, mm. so yeah. it's it's something to think about even for drivers and fans too that are hopeful that maybe they could see something spectacular, I guess. Yeah, that's a great point, actually, because if you look at uh, the WEC, that's a, what, eight-round championship with Le Mans as well. Uh, IMSA is something like 12 rounds for the prototypes. Uh, So, you know, quite a a spread season, you know, starting in January, ending in October. Uh, European Le Mans series starts in April at Paul Ricard, has a six-round championship that ends in October as well, I think, October, November at Portimao. Asian Le Mans series, it starts this weekend. We have a month gap um, into the new year, and then it's uh, around in January and then two rounds in February. So it's really compressed in terms of a season. So I guess we should talk about the calendar for the Asian Le Mans series. You've already made mention um, of round three at Sepang. So we'll go through each round. This weekend is at Shanghai. So uh, since the WC race at Shanghai, I think there's been some tire testing for the Asian Le Mans series. And then they come up with the first round of the series this weekend uh, at at the Shanghai circuit. So that's another four-hour event. Um, then in the new year, we've made mention of it, Tail and Bend in South Australia, literally about an hour away from me. I was just there last weekend for the uh, TCR Australia finale uh, using the full 7.7 kilometer GT endurance loop. Uh, so that's going to be the return of prototype racing for the first time in almost 20 years in Australia. 
So that's going to be super exciting. I'm so I'm uh, over the moon for that. Top tier, but like noticeable prototype racing. Yeah, it's it's going to be yeah the the first time ACO spec prototypes have been in Australia since the year 2000. So that's going to be awesome. Uh, Sepang, you've made mention of that's the 14th and 15th of February. Uh, so just at the uh, just after um, Bathurst and, and the Sao Paulo rounds. Oh, sorry, the Bathurst 12 round, the Sao Paulo uh, six hour for the WEC. We've got another weekend of ACO spec racing. And as you made mention, that's going to be a twilight race. So similar to what we saw in Barcelona for the ELMS, uh, starting in daylight, ending in darkness, which is always a spectacle. And then, yeah, finishing off in Buriam, which uh, is a track that has been used in Thailand for the MotoGP of recent years, I think. Um, yep. Yep, that's the same track. And that's only a week after the Shanghai round. Uh, sorry, the Sepang round. So a very, very compressed end to the season with rounds at uh, the 10th of Jan- well, the 12th of January, 15th of February, 23rd of February. So very, very compressed at the end of the season. Uh, what is what is your ex- most exciting part of that about that calendar? I think that the terms that it's going to Australia, the band, which is a new track for the championship. It's always exciting to just have new tracks in the calendar. That can't, just because that's why Creventic is something I look forward to a lot because they t- test test and try new tracks all the time. And when they release the calendar, there's always going to be something new that they haven't gone to before. And the fact that um, the season finale is going to be ended on, under the lights. Well, actually, no. Um, Sepang is going to be under the lights. Yep. Uh, Brewery Ram is going to be completely uh, in the daytime but um, still just having a night race and then you know going to these different types of tracks really takes on the diversity that, that the tracks that Asia has to offer it's gonna be sick what about you cookie what is, what is your gonna be what's gonna be your most exciting part of it well I, I mentioned it earlier I, I love the Sepang circuit so yeah. I'm probably gonna side with that but uh, that's actually gonna be I on love... your birthday as well uh, it will be, yeah. I will be. That'll be a nice uh, birthday celebration, kind of for Cute. for me. Yeah, why not? So <laughs> celebrate for my birthday. No, but uh, I really, really, I, I think the calendar is is pretty much perfect. I mean, if if they don't need to change it for a couple of years, I'm fine with it. I, I know that there's probably going to be some some flexing around with some schedules. I don't think they're adding a fifth, but yeah, I, I think it's well rounded. The um, the only thing I'd say about that is that they've remove the japanese round from the calendar so uh in previous years they also went to fuji um but they have had to remove that round in order to fit in the bend so it's it's a bit of you know damned if you do damned if you don't i would like to see them expand to five so to have china burium uh sepang the bend and fuji or suzuka um but i don't think it was feasible for this season would they have to have blended it into October because doesn't Japan have a have a thing for getting all the sporting think, stuff in I like think in October? They ran Fuji in December one time or late November, okay. and they had they had they had snow in the middle of the week at the track, but oh wow, cleared up enough in, in time for the four hours of or I think I don't know if it was a three hour race or a four hour race back then, but it was a in time for the race to happen. Snow melted. Perfect. Uh, so a bit bit nicer than what we had at Spa this year. Cool. <laughs> no, no one reacted uh, to that. No one reacted man. to that. Oh, that that hurts. Uh, that hurts. Uh, I was I was doing research. 
Oof. Um, so another thing I think is really important about this calendar is that it's all high quality tracks. So Shanghai is a pretty well known quantity. It's a Tilka track, one of the longer, oldest and uh, most used Tilka tracks. So that we know that it produces decent enough racing um, for multi-class events. Sepang as well. I, as Cookie said, I, the, the Sepang circuit is just a really, really cool circuit. Um, I think it's one of the better Tilka drones uh around the world burium is also tilka designed isn't it yep i haven't seen too much racing at burium um because i haven't seen it really get used beyond MotoGP. but it looks like a really interesting circuit as well um oh it gets used a lot um blank pan gt world challenge asia goes there uh the asia road racing championships uh uh thailand super series and World Superbikes, I think, still goes there. It, it gets used a lot. It's, it is more of a regional track, but now it's yep. becoming more international. As you know, because it, it's a decent track. It's not one of the worst ones out there, and it's a good facility. Nice. And then, of course, there's the bend. And I just want to—is okay if I monologue about the bend for a little while, guys? Uh, I do. Yeah, yeah get the soapbox out. You knew, you knew this was going to happen. So. Uh, if you haven't t- heard me talk about the Bend yet, you've obviously been living under a rock. Um, Bend has been an awesome facility that's been built in South Australia. Uh, it's only been open since April last year. And when it opened, I, I ma- remember making the comment, I, you know, I bet within five years we'll have some international caliber motor racing happening at this circuit. It's going to be within two years that we're going to get to that mark. Um, we, I was just, as I mentioned, out there last weekend for some marshalling for the finale of the Australian TCR series, and the the track itself is something to behold. Um, the what, the racing I was at over the weekend was using the international track, so the five kilometer track. We're going to be using for the four, first time the seven point seven kilometer GT endurance loop, which is the second longest permanent race track in the world, only second to the Nordschleife. Um, and I think it's going to be quite difficult for these drivers to get their head around, not only because of the length, but it's also got quite a bit of elevation. It hasn't got like spa levels of elevation change, but it's an appreciable amount of elevation. So, um, with the extra section being added to it, uh, for the, the international, sorry, for the, for the GT loop, um, the track that section that doesn't really get used much, it's not going to be as easy as you expect to see these guys in the prototypes manage the, the difficulties of the track over a, a, a long stint. Um, so it's going to be, I'm fascinated to see how the track holds up for a multi-class event because I haven't really seen proper multi-class there yet. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. The only problem is though, if it's going to be the second week of January, it's going to be so hot. It's going to be so hot. It's going to be ridiculous. Uh, just yesterday we had 42 degrees in Adelaide. Um, and so if we get that sort of weather again for a four hour endurance race, it is going to be oppressive, not only for the teams and spectators, but also for the marshals out there. It's just going to be a very, very difficult day to manage. So that's definitely going to be a factor. And I'm going to say now it's going to be a, maybe even a deciding factor for a few of these teams. Well, for sure. I mean, if you're talking that hot of temperatures, you're absolutely going to have issues with cooling, especially if any, and, you know, will, a lot of these cars go off into gravel traps or even just go off track. So mm. uh, keeping the cars on the, on the course would be probably a premium 
and um and absolutely yeah trying to make sure drivers are cool the crew's cool it's going to be a long race and if it's going to be in the you know lasting heat you're going to need everything to mm. to kind of remain top notch and and on that note as well uh there is so the band is only fia grade two and that's because it doesn't have a lot of tarmac around it so you don't get that concrete you know parking area runoff that you do at a lot of grade one circuits um but what that means is that you know while you've got a lot of grass you can still find walls in really weird places so i had a i had a car impact the wall at my point on sunday which just shouldn't you shouldn't ever see a car there um but you can also in return bring a lot of dirt onto the circuit when you're coming back onto the circuit so that is also going to be a factor uh, as the race progresses, as, as cars, you know, find the the grass at, you know, the hot spots and then bring dirt back onto the circuit, it'll just promote cars going off more and more. So you might come to a, a you know, a fast section of the track and all of a sudden have it covered in dirt and, you know, you got really nowhere else to go. So um, that will be a factor, which will be a pretty different because you don't really see a lot of that sort of problem uh, at current ACO circuits. Everything's pretty much grade one really so yeah that'll be a different challenge um and so that is the calendar uh we'll you know it's only what three months away that we'll have a asian lawn series champion uh, as of this podcast yeah it's it's a quick calendar Mm. and again again, i mean if if you had a oh maybe okay so you elms didn't go so well well all right um this is relatively on the cheaper side for a championship to enter and you can name any, you can justify any position really in terms of, hey, let's just try to go win a race. Hey, let's go try to win a championship. Hey, mm. let's go try to, you know, qualify for Le Mans. So there's a lot of incentive here for teams to try their best. And I think that produces really good racing and it has. And I think the more people that can at least watch it and enjoy it, it's just going to make the series grow bigger. So awesome. So we- we'll have our good friend Graham Goodwin on the commentating team. Yes, he will be, uh, which is a really good, um, it it kind of legitimizes the series a bit more because if uh, having such a a name like that doing the commentary means that a lot of people are going to take a bit more interest because he is, you know, a big name in motorsport journalism and motorsport commentary. So I think that's actually a very, very good uh, choice by the series. And he seems to have a blast with it as well. (laughs) So we should now talk about some of the entries for this uh, series. So 26 full season entries split, split across four classes. So a bit different to the other ACO spec series because we do have that LMP2 AM category, which is the older spec LMP2 cars run only with amateur drivers. So that uh, gives you another chance at a Le Mans invite if you've still got some old machinery hanging around. Um, so we've got seven cars in the LMP217 class, um, which is your full ACO spec LMP2 that runs in the WEC, ELMS, and now in IMSA, well, and still in IMSA. Um, so this is actually a bit of a unique situation in which we have more Ligiers in the class than we do Oricas, which is a bit of a, a reversal of expectations, isn't it? Nice little change of pace. Yeah, I, I, I can only sigh, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, okay, Eurasia will give them a lot of grief, but G Drive is loaded again. Yeah. Uh, and they stand a good shot of winning a lot of these rounds. Yeah. So 
Uh, that's that's the only caveat to that. But yes, it's good to see a grid that isn't the LMP or Rakers. Yeah. Know? Cool. We'll take you through that grid um, for the moment. So we've got two cars from Eurasia Motorsport, which the first car, the number one, is Ligier, driven by Nobuya Yamanaka, uh, Daniel Gaunt, and Masata- Masataka Yanagita. How did I go with those names? So two Japanese drivers and a New Zealander in the middle of that mix. And Daniel Gaunt, he usually does um, some New Zealand endurance stuff with, I believe, they have like a, he has an Audi that races there, but he also, you know, he, any sort of like Asian stuff. Uh, he might also do Thailand Super Series as well. Don't quote me on that, but normally I think he does some, he really does do a number on these Asian races that, you know, he just comes across and just does them. Yeah, and Daniel Gorn is a name I recognize from Australian Carrera Cup and some of the V8 Supercars endurance rounds. So he's a driver that I'm familiar with. But what about the the Japanese pair, uh, Yamanaka and uh, Yanagita? Uh, Do you know anything about them? Not at all? Let me check. Okay, while while Chris checks that, I'll uh, quickly mention that this is going to be a pretty special car for uh, the likes of Kiwi Chris and other Kiwis in the audience, because it is the New Zealand livery car. So uh, yet again, New Zealand are getting their their paint schemes all over cars that are going to Australian races and, you know, will probably win the Australian race as well, just to rub it in our face. Um, uh, so it should it should look pretty cool because um, the the silver and black color scheme does look pretty nice on these cars um the other eurasia motorsport car while chris tries to find information on the two japanese drivers for that team is another ligier number 36 a pair of aiden reed and nick foster um a pair of australians and nick foster should be familiar to people who have been watching the wc as a driver for the golf racing porsche last season um so that's a pretty big jump for him to jump into a p2 car um and aiden reed is a name that i've never heard of before so that's uh pretty interesting to see a brand new australian driver on the grid I think we have a third driver too. A third well, at driver? least according to our chart, says uh, Roberto Mary. Ooh, is, uh, is is also on the entry list for the thirty six. I miss that. Roberto Mary is a big pickup for that team. Yeah. Yep. I don't know if that's true or not. That's just what my uh, what my sheet says here. So that's huge because Roberto Mary, of course, he was driving in. He, he drove F one for Mano, didn't he? Uh, uh, for uh, for a little bit. Was he Ferrari um, something driver? Did he did he did he end up driving for Ferrari? Oh, sorry for for Mana, or was he a driver for uh, Mana? I in think the... he was Mana. I believe he was the yes, one. He, yes, Mana. Yeah, he won the Formula like, Three Euro Series Championship. I believe in Formula Renault. He literally after the checkered flag, he stopped on the front stretch, or I don't know if he stopped in the front stretch, or he was the dude that crashed into the dude that stopped in the front stretch. <laughs> oh no. Red- <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Um. But that's a that's a pretty impressive lineup to have a uh a w a former WEC racer in Mary because he was um racing in the uh the Manor LMP2 car when that was a thing, and then also Nick Foster, who's a pretty impressive Australian driver, uh, along with a, an Australian AM as well. That's a pretty impressive lineup there. Uh, I'd actually. You know, because I'm less familiar with the Japanese pair in the number one car, I'd say this is probably a stronger pair than the the other one, or I mean, a stronger trio. I mean, 
So the the first the number one car did a little research. Uh, Mas- Masataka Yamagita uh, is a Super GT driver. Oh, okay, um, that makes also, sense. So I think the pair of him and Daniel Gaunt, I think, I think they're not going to be as bad as people expect them to be. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, but it's it's a bit different having a a bronze and a silver in a car versus a silver and a platinum. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll move on to the next cars on the list. We've got two cars from Inter-Europol. Um, so these are the the cars sponsored by the Polish Bakery, which I think is still hilarious. Um, but it is the number 33, both in Ligier's, um, John Corbett and Nathan Kumar in the 33 car, a pair of Australians, a bronze and a silver. And then the 34 car is the general um, ELMS uh, lineup of uh, Jakub Smykowski, James Winslow, and Matthias Besch added to that car. Matthias Besch has been everywhere. Yeah, recently. he's been. Remember when he did a uh, a, a radical race at the Bathurst Twelve Hour Support event? It wasn't a radical. It was the the Formula Ford uh, Formula Ford oh. Historics race that he was in, which was still like, why would what? <laughs> I got the I got the track and the, it was a, like a the other support event. yeah that was and that was really he cool. Does, um, he does races for uh, in the Porsche Cups and the TCR cars back then with um, Modena Motorsports for the Creventic rounds. Um, so he has he's not shy of being put into any race car. He's not stuck up. He'll drive anything. Yeah, and he's done a lot of LMP2 stuff recently. After he did he get. Did he get kicked out of the Rebellion team? Or did he just leave? I don't know. He used to be one of the Rebellion Young drivers, but now he's he's kind of been moved on from that, which is a bit of a shame. Oh, well. Um, interesting. <laughs> I'm interested to see how the Australian pair go. Uh, again, the, that's a pair of names I'm not familiar with uh, in Corbett and Kumar. But the the number 34 team, Smykowski, Winslow, and Besh, they're all known quantities, and they should be a team yeah. to be reckoned with in this championship. Sure. So, Cookie, what do you what do you feel about these entries? Well, uh, it's it's eclectic. Uh, I'll first say that it's and it's good to see. It's really refreshing because it's not just heavy loaded platinum gold, platinum platinum gold, gold platinum platinum gold, and then filter in some silver and bronze. Like we have heavy, heavy bronze, silver with some gold, some platinum. Like I really appreciate this. So, so far, so good. Um, and I like the European flair as well as a lot of you know local. Uh, you know, entries as well for the driver list, uh, you know, for the driver entries. So, um, and a lot of, a lot of Australia. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Cause you guys are representing well. So either way, the inter-Europol teams, the 34 should definitely be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, and that is the, the lineup of the Ligiers in that category. We've got two Oricas, one of them uh, branded as an Aorus, of course. So we'll tackle the G-Drive by Algarve racing this time. So this, I think, is now the fifth different team that's run a G-Drive car. So we've had, what, uh, Graf Racing, TDS Racing, Yoda Sport, Le- Onrok, uh, and now now algarve is that is that correct five different cars running g drives it <laughs> but, does make sense <laughs> since algarve were in the championship last year yeah that, that again yeah, that does make sense so uh in this car we have the unsurprisingly roman rusinov in as the gold uh james french as the silver in that car and i oh yeah boy wisconsin oh is he a wisconsin <laughs> native yeah 
Wow. What's he doing all the way over here? Just taking an LMP2 drive. Uh, an LMP2 drive that potentially will get him to... To Le Mans, yeah. Another drive that gets him to Le Mans. Uh, and then finally in that car is someone with one of the most awesome names, I think, in existence. Uh, Leonard Hogenboom, which is a friggin' cool name. Um, from the Netherlands, uh, unsurprisingly. So, a combination of a gold and two silvers for a G-Drive car. How do you feel about that? I mean, just on paper, these these guys look like the team to beat. Really? I mean, t- you gotta take a uh, take the fact that G is taking its crew, and uh, you know, G-Drive has always been a force with the European Le Mans series, and yep. the fact that they're coming into here with. Because James French isn't that bad. He, he he won races. Now, you're going to laugh at this, but he won races in the prototype challenge class. And <laughs> the, uh, yep, he did. He did. Ha ha. He, he was, was, is this a James French that was in, was it Starworks? Or what was the other, like, stupidly, oppressively good team uh, in? Um, PR. One, the Thiasons, something like that. Yeah, Pierre. Uh, yeah, Pierre Matheson. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, re- I definitely recognize the name James French. Um, so we pro- we probably messed it up, guys. And so uh, we're gonna hear about Luke it. Is uh, part of their ELMS team as well? Um, no, because their ELMS team is Jev and Jovanutet. So it's I'm not sure where Hogan Booms come. He's just kind of dropped out of the ether. Um, but. Yeah, it'll be it'll be pretty cool. It, it's interesting that they haven't gone for a stupid super stacked lineup, um, because you know G Drive has a history of doing that, uh, finding you know super silvers to fill in uh, the 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 AM role. Um, so it's interesting that, for example, John Eric Verne isn't in the car, or Job Van Ertz, or Nick DeFries, or you know someone of that caliber. Um, but I think that puts them more in the in the in the mid pack here because there's a few other pretty impressive teams to come. And Leonard Hugaboom is actually the 2018 Michelin Le Mans Cup champion for LMP. Ah, cool. Yeah. Well, there you go. He's he got was a... with, oh, he was with Panas Bartes competition this year in the LMS. That's where I got. Cool. That, they actually didn't do too badly. So that's actually a, uh, a pretty impressive pickup oh, for them. My, my obscure racing knowledge. He also comes from the Audi Sports Safer RA LMS Cup, which is basically the German Audi GT4 series. He was in that race he 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 ran four races and won three of them wow okay yeah so pretty quality pretty decent quality in that car nice um so they're driving the Aorus, uh un- unsurprisingly rebranding the orica again for the russian luxury car market so they're definitely going to be a force to be reckoned with the other orica in that class is the k2 uchino racing 996 um for uh Okay, I'm gonna mess this up. Haruki Kurosawa and Sean Tong um, in that car at this stage. Uh, so a Japanese gold and a Hong Kong silver driver. Uh, now, does anyone know anything about these guys? Um, I think it's just cool that the fact that this an LMP2 team that has a current car that's running out of Japan. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. <laughs> um, I I honestly I have no I... idea about either of the drivers though. Um, it's interesting Hiroki that there's a Hong Kong driver. Hiroki Kurosawa, I believe, races for the Leon Mercedes and Super GT and the GT300, which won the championship a few years back, but was very close to. Oh, okay. Interesting. 
Um, and anything on uh, Sean Tong? Uh, looks like he's a silver, so I think he might be the uh, might be the driver that's paying. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okie dokie. Uh, so we're not we're not sure about what's going to happen with that team. They might be awesome. They might be awful. We'll only we, only time will tell. Um, and the final car in the seven car LMP2 class is. Uh, a known quantity, uh, the Thunderhead Carlin Racing Delara, uh, so the only Delara in the class, which features Jack Manchester, Harry Tinknell, and Ben Barnico. So three pretty decent drivers. Um, we have a up-and-coming silver, a platinum driver in Tinknell, and Ben Barnico, who's a British gold-rated driver who has been driving with Porsche for the past few years. Now, the question I have for this team is, can this driver lineup overcome the uh, quite storied uh, disadvantages of the Dallara chassis? Because on paper, that is the strongest driver lineup of the class. I can't disagree with that. And you aren't wrong either that uh, Dallara has a known balance problem there. The maker of the car even said so that they hadn't fixed it even with the Joker update. So it's it it's it's it cannot be truly a perfect car uh but it definitely has the driver lineup in this car to potentially outweigh that it's just going to be you know whether or not yeah any of the other cars can string together a a good enough race to out you know pace the delara in my opinion but we'll see um especially with how this is structured, like I said, again, there's not many rounds to make mistakes. And so mm. any mistake can be amplified. And with how, you know, short these rounds are too, they're always going to be, you know, one mistake away from potentially, and you could have point swings and lap differences that make no sense, but just the way that these, these rounds can end. So can, you know, they set a good shot is, is what I'm saying, but mm. can that car be fast enough for them? Yeah, that is going to be that is going to be the question. And just to amplify your point about uh, the point swings, last season in the Asian Le Mans series, um, the Algarve Pro Racing Team won two races, which was more than any other team on the grid, um, but lost the championship because they had a retirement in the first race of the series. So they finished second quite comfortably. But you know, had they done, uh, had they not retired in that first race, they could have actually taken that uh, LMP2 invite. So it is, as you said, uh, you're only one mistake away from losing the championship in this series. So who who's going to be the strongest car? Who wins? Who wins the the Le Mans invite? Who wins the Asian Le Mans series? Uh, I'm going to go G Drive. Well, mm, yeah, I'll probably stick with G Drive. I think. Man, you're boring. Just, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know, uh, the evil empire strikes back. So. Dun, 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 dun. Chris. Hmm. Okay. Well, since Cookie chose G Drive, I'm going to go with someone different. You know what? I'll be, <laughs> See, after justice, uh, number thirty-four into Europol. Cool. Um, I will uh, go different to both of you and go with Eurasia Motorsport, uh, Foster Reed and Roberto Mary. So there, there we go. We've all picked three different teams, and I reckon the fourth car that has a shot is the 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 carl and delara so i reckon that those four are going to be the ones to fight for that uh that spot you reckon that's a fair call yeah yeah that's that's a, it's a measured call i'll mm. say that i don't see i didn't i didn't see any surprises in that but i'll take it 
So in three months' time, we'll know. We'll we'll know for certain who's going to have right. that uh, that uh, spot, won't we? Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I hope it's not the twenty six, but I, I have a suspicion that they'll uh, they'll be consistent enough, and they have the fastest car for sure. Yeah, um, and it's fielded Fox. by Algarve, so no pressure here. We're not known for Raptors, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> of for course sure. not. Yeah, that's that's my stone cold lock of the week. <laughs> So yeah, everyone just bail from the twenty six. Uh, if you if you got you know what's good for you, just bail from the twenty six. It's a, it's a sinking ship, but I'll take it. I'll take yeah. all of them. Um, interestingly though, I I do want to make the mention that of those four cars, the Carlin car, the Algarve G Drive car, the Inter Europol car, and the Eurasia Motorsport car, um, I think all except for Carlin were at Le Mans last year. I'm just trying to see if the Eurasia Motorsport car was. Because that might be... Oh, no, Eurasia weren't either. That can't be right. Yes, it is. Okay. So... Yeah, if, this, if, this, if, you know, if there's anything that's sticking onto this little thing, I'm going to say, Inter-Europol were the LMP3 champions. Yes. Right? So, Inter-Europol got their invite through LMP3. Um, it was the ARC Bratislava car that got their invite through the LMP2 AM class and United got their second, well, their only automatic invite from the Asian Le Mans series. So yeah, Eurasia didn't make the cut last year. So they'll be looking to, to get a Le Mans invite definitely. Um, and then cause the other three are probably going to find invites from somewhere else already. So we'll keep an eye on that as the season develops, because that's going to be important for that all important Le Mans entry invite. Um, we'll move on to the LMP2 AM category. So these are, all AM lineups, and importantly, they are for LMP2 cars pre-2017 spec. So the old um, Ligier JSP2, uh, the Orica 05, if there is still any Orica 05s that haven't been upgraded. Um, we haven't seen, uh, for example, a, uh, what else, a, a Stracker Dome or a BR1. Uh, Wasn't there Janetta 2 at some point? There may have been, but there isn't on this entry list. Basically, it's just a, a right. trio of Ligiers and an Orica, which makes up this class. Um, and I think it's very important to mention that this class also gets a Le Mans invite uh, for for winning. So you get an all-AM lineup at Le Mans, which was what we saw from AFC, ARC Bratislava last year, year, as they were the LMP2 champions. And they are returning again with their trio of drivers, uh, Miro Konopka, um, Kang Ling from China, and I'm going to mess this up, Andreas Laskaratos from Greece. So uh, uh, two bronzes and a silver, and they were the championship winners from last season. Uh, they have to be, you don't want to maybe say the favorites, but they're definitely a a strong force for taking that uh, Le Mans invite again. ARC Bratislava, they've already had the Le Mans uh, heyday, which is pretty cool for them um just gonna say them at Le Mans last year well this year rather last event um when they had that accident in the middle of the night and managed to get that car back into the pits that was one of the moments of the race for me oh yeah we I think everybody was cheering them on and and it was um I mean it was it was unfortunate because they were they were they had a solid race they were doing so well and um and I and to kind of see that emotion especially from uh you know <laughs> having that i think it was their first time right uh, yeah going to lamar so you have all that first time emotion then to see the highs and lows but 
for them to have that accomplishment and, and, and I think for everybody to be so genuinely willing them on to at least get back to the garage was awesome yeah so, definitely yeah I can't I can't wait to see them defend their title and they're gonna have to defend it from <laughs> a team that is a little hilarious to me but you guys might uh find this a little what more hilarious um two cars yeah. from Rick Ware Racing so Rick Ware Racing Rick Ware Racing ladies and gentlemen um so where the hell are these guys come from back end of nascar the back end of nascar (laughs) greensboro north carolina sir like they're 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 back markers in nascar races and so they're coming across to the asian one series and they've got a 50 percent chance of taking that lmb2 am title (laughs) they've got two cars in a four car class that's pretty decent odds when you look at it, where racing did do Grand Am before, and I believe that they did Super Trofeo with their driver Cody Ware. So sports car racing, not entirely new to them, but the fact that they're diving into an ACO spec prototype. Keep in mind that Euro International is fielding these cars for them, so it's not a completely one hundred percent Rick Ware racing effort. But it's still, it's it's quite a comedy, really, if you follow NASCAR, seeing how a back-end NASCAR team could literally get an invite to one of the most prestigious endurance races in the world. I, I, I want it. This is, this is the the genesis of wild card for me. I mean, and being an American, how, how could I not want to want half of the grid to somehow win and go to the... Like, again, he's not wrong. Uh, I, I can go... Th- if... if we had the time i would go through all these drivers but you can go through the list of all of their cup drivers that they had over the years it's not good (laughs) it's not good at all i i this is such a wild card i want this team to just somehow win it it would be hilarious it would come at the cost of some other good teams that we'll get into and that we already were talking about but i mean it is it would be so great i (laughs) that would they would be my lmp2 team all the way at lamont like i how could i not cheer them on brilliant Um, so their driver, confirmed driver so far has been, um, Cody Ware and Mark Vam, which is a name I do recognize if I don't know any of his achievements. Um, and then prototype challenge, maybe, maybe that sounds possible. And then the second car is, uh, Michael Zimicki and a TBA. So that's someone who I've never heard of before. Um, but interestingly, these guys are actually, having the cars run by Euro International, uh, which is the last season's LMP3 champions. So they're, uh, sorry, the ELMS LMP3 champions. So a, a pretty decent team running the cars. So it might, it might yeah, it be a like, match uh, made in heaven. Yeah. Mark, I mean, there's, there's, there's a, Duenza, he races the Porsche cup, Porsche GT3 cup Championship. There you go. Uh, what were you about to say? Uh, Austin? I mean, Michael Zeminki is a, a driver coach, so ah. um, yeah. The only so, like real race car driver really is Cody Ware. Well, that's stretching. <laughs> Fair but, enough. I mean, these are these are solid chassis. I mean, yes, they're gonna. Yeah, this is going to probably have some contact. These guys will probably get in the way of some of these. <laughs> we, we will be talking about if they magically somehow to pull my wild card, I'll be happy. But. There's a there's a high probability that these cars will be on TV a lot with uh, contact and bits <laughs> flying off of them potentially just because and, it's 
it's tough to fit a you know an a, in a prototype drive and not be the fastest prototype while also navigating GT traffic. I so thought you were about to say it's tactical. it's tough to fit a big American NASCAR body into a small ACO spec prototype. I thought mm-hmm. that was where you were going with that. You aren't wrong, sir. But in the world <laughs> of racing, uh, <laughs> it's a it's a slimmer world uh, in the U.S. So these guys will be all right. But uh, no, I I I really I, I love this just because to before we can continue just. The LMP2, how this is grandfathered and it's it's treated as AM and that you have to have only AMs, it is a unique challenge that I don't think any other prototype driver has faced yet because normally you have that coach, that driver, that just really a lot more experienced guy. He's been there before and knows a thing or two. These guys are going to have to feed off of each other and their own unique amateur experiences or you know brief experiences in professional racing. So I think this is going to be such a unique challenge for these guys. And just the fact that we're able to reuse older technology mm. and to keep the racing alive in that and have a healthy class to have that. So Yeah, and I think just quickly to comment on that, that was one of the reasons that the Asian Le Mans series actually took off a little bit um, in 2017. It was because you had these an opportunity for these old chassis to run again in a proper full-fledged series. So it's good to see that we're still holding on to a little bit of that, the, especially with the Ligiers, because the Ligiers couldn't be um, upgraded into the... LMP217 spec, um, whereas the Oricas could. So we've only got one Orica in this class now, and it is the RLR M Sport uh, sponsored by Tower Events uh, car, which is run by uh, another ELMS regular, uh, John Ferrano, uh, and uh, from Canada. Uh, well, actually, is he is he the ELMS regular in that team, or is it just the car or the team that's the regular? I'm pretty sure the team is pretty well. Oh no, John Ferrano is that car, uh, that driver in the ELMS, and he's bringing along with him uh, Arjun Maini, uh, an Indian silver driver, which he's raced with before at Le Mans this year, and then Andrew Higgins from New Zealand is a second bronze driver, and that's another name that I'm not familiar with. So, um, how do you feel about RLIM Sport on the entry list? Any strong feelings at all? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I guess. <laughs> they're, they're the, uh, I do recognize them most from the uh, going off in the gravel. Oh, fair oh, enough. Oh, shots fired. It's well, Canadian, so I'm sure some somebody's happy. So, well, he, he, he'd just be driving. If he ever makes contact with yeah. the car, he'd just be, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh. <laughs> I, don't know, I, think, I don't know. I think Jeb wants a better Canadian driver. <laughs> Like he's, the one he Canadian wants... viewer just decided to stop listening to us. Thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, it'd be funny, funny if they dress it up in pla- uh, the um, in friggin' played like the the Faf car, <laughs> just a a, a played Canadian car in the LMP2. Anyway, as you might be able to tell, we're kind of running by the seat of our pants here because no one, well, not no one really knows, but these are a lot of very unknown drivers for us. So it'll be yeah, interesting to I see mean... how this LMP2 class shakes out over the course of the season. I mean, like, yeah, for so John Ferrano, he did a little bit of uh, Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge in 2012, uh, and then he had done some Canadian Tire, uh, NASCAR Canadian Tire Series, as well as some Ferrari Challenge races, like 2012-2013. And then he was in the Vantage V8 in the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge in 2013 as well. So um, he's got some pretty basic GT experience um, and a little bit of prototype as well. So I think he should be okay. But again... You know, we're, we're talking. You know, we're talking BC class in terms of some of these even amateur drivers. So yeah. it's going to be the. This should be if you, if you missed Lamont on Prototype Challenge, 
maybe check out the LMP2 anime. If you missed Le Mans Prototype Challenge, you'd no, you shouldn't be allowed to be a Chaos, <laughs> Maybe I miss it. Okay, maybe Aww, I miss it a little bit. That's cute. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna vouch for it, but maybe I miss it. <laughs> I, I I I miss Asia. Uh, no, American Le Mans Series Prototype Challenge. I don't miss IMSA Prototype Challenge. That was a time. <laughs> Putting it lightly. <laughs> and if you still haven't seen Baxter's amazing uh, tribute to the LMPC class, uh, in the IMSA PC class, you should definitely check that out because that is that is oh, brilliant, beautiful, the best the best it's ever been. Uh, anyway, we'll move on. Uh, LMP3 features six cars for the full season, a mix of three Normas and three Ligiers. Um, again, uh, Lamont invite on the line here. We have... Uh, we don't have any pro-rated drivers on this entry list as of yet either, which is a little surprising. Um, but we'll go through the the list. Um, we've got two cars from Nielsen Racing who have been doing pretty well in the European Le Mans series this season. Uh, the number two car driven by Tony Wells and Colin Wells, uh, bronze and silver. I believe they are father and son? I, I think so. Yeah. The other dr- car is uh, Rob Hodes, Garrett Christ. I got Charles Cruz is the third number. Uh, yeah, third one. So I'll uh, update that in my entry list. So all North American in that car. Um, so yeah, how do we feel about the new- two Nielsen Racing cars? Uh, strong entries. That's that's pretty much it for me. I mean, the, the drivers are still a little bit more green when it comes mm. to, I mean, even just, you know, being able to remember them sometimes. But uh yeah, I, they they had a decent, they had a pretty strong outing in the LMS, which is an extremely competitive uh, LMP3 field outside of the Michelin uh, uh, Michelin Cup. So yeah, I think they stand a good chance if they can keep that momentum going from uh, from their last outing on the LMS, they could do pretty well here. Um, I actually just am gonna uh, correct myself. It's not Tony Wells and Colin Wells. It's Tony Wells and Colin Noble. Uh, so that's a mistake on the DSC article we were getting our information from. Um, so Colin Noble is uh, a known quantity. Yeah, the Tony Wells, Colin Noble uh, pairing is a known quantity there. So I'm interested with this North American lineup. Who who are these Who are these drivers? Ro, uh, Hodes, Grist, and Cruz. Any idea on, on them? I'll take that as a no. Fair enough. Nope. <laughs> I can look them up if you want. If, well, while you do that, we'll, we'll talk about the next Norma. So this is the debut of the Norma in the um, the LMP3 class in the Asian Le Mans series, by the way. And the third Norma is the Graph Racing Norma of Eric uh, Trillier, Sebastian Page, and David Drew. I Drew? It's a Swedish driver, so it's probably Drew, but with way too many consonants at the end of that. Um, so... Uh, a French, a Frenchman, and two Swedes in that car: bronze, bronze, and silver. Um, I think I recognise uh, uh, Way, but I'm not sure where from. Um, he does race a lot of BDV. Ah, okay. Not sure that I would have seen them from BDV, but now since ultimate, the ultimate cup replaced ah, BDV. Yep. Basically, like French LMP. Yep, that makes sense. And you probably made races for Graf in the European Le Yeah. Again, that would make sense. We're trying to trying to figure this out on the fly. Uh, or or he, um, and maybe in Michelin Le Mans Cup, but he, I know he does a lot of um, French LMP3s. Yeah, which would make sense. A, a French team, French chassis, French 
drivers, well, Swiss drivers, French drivers. Yeah, but he did race in the in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Yep. It actually surprises me how much of a racing culture there is in Switzerland, considering that that has only just rescinded the racing ban in that country. So it is a little surprising. We did get information. Garrett Christ raced with the United Autosports in the Michelin Le Mans Cup this Oh, well, there you go. So that's uh, another known quantity in the normas there. Um, like, Hyde's also raced with him. Okay, yep, that makes sense. We'll have a look at the three Ligiers on the entry list now. Um, I'll save that one to last. I reckon that one's going to be the one to beat. But we've got a... Uh, the number 65 is an Asian team called uh, Viper Niza, uh, Niza, which is from Malaysia. Um, two Malaysian drivers, uh, two newcomers to the series, I am pretty sure. Um, nope. No? Okay, sorry. It was the other car that was newcomers to the series. So in the Viper Niza car, it is Dominic Ang and Douglas Koo, uh, two Malaysian drivers. And I, where did they race in this series last year? Uh, Super GT, I think, for Dominic Ang, but that was a while ago. Um Okay. I don't know where I don't know where he races now, but I know he was previously Super GT at some point. Yep. And Douglas Koo was in the Viper Niza racing car last year, so that pairing yeah. has an appreciable level of driving talent. Um uh newcomer to the Asian Le Mans series, Ace One Veloba Corsa, a Italian team of all things in the uh Asian Le Mans series, with um Alessandro Brezan, not Balzan, as I initially thought, Alessandro Brezan, um Yuki yep. Harata and Gabriel Lancieri. Um so those are three drivers that I driver coach Pirelli World Challenge GT Cup Championship in twenty seventeen for Yuri Harata and then Gabriele just an Italian race driver. He's just done some stuff in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, on and off for the Euro Formula 3000. So Nice. So that'll be... Just uh, completely random, older dudes. Yeah, uh, just going out for a nice day out. And then I reckon the team to beat in this class, um, Inter-Europol number 13, Martin Hippe and Nigel Moore, the champion-elect team from LMP3 until they got penalized after the race at Portimao. Uh, these guys won the championship last year and yep. uh, had their race at Le Mans and are probably the biggest force in LMP3 racing in the world right now. Yeah. I mean, without question, this is this is the, the driver line that you would want to have. I would say right now in LMP3 in any of the series, Elomas, Michelin Mall Cup, any of them, like, give me these two guys. They know how to get it done, especially in a really, really deep field of competitive ride drivers. So, and yeah, Martin Hippo guys... was part of the championship crew uh, last year. Yeah, so that was Jakub Schmikowski in the in the car last year with Martin Hippo, but this year he's got, um, as we made mention, Nigel Moore, who he's been racing with in um, the European Le Mans series this year. So, definite pair of of drivers to keep an eye on. Um, do we see anyone else challenging them for the 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 win of the series? I think the only one I can really point to to say maybe is the Nielsen Racing Norma. Yeah, yep, that's it. Uh, just because it's a new, it's a Norma chassis too, so uh, maybe that that helps for some of these tracks. Although I don't think so because the bend looks like it would really favor the Ligier. Yeah. Although Thailand would be definitely a Norma track, so. 
it would be interesting to see how the car dynamics work, it giving any advantage really to anybody else. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's the 13. Yeah. Loot. So on that note, why would you say Burium is a normal track versus the Ben being a Ligier track? What what makes that distinction? I would say uh, the Ligier is faster than the twisty bits, and the Norm is faster than the long straight bits. Yep, I agree with that pretty well on point, and I agree with your assessment of the bend as well. It is very much a twisty bit sort of track. There is only really yep. one straight on the track, and that is the main straight, so uh, I'd, I'd agree with that assessment. It'll be interesting, because I think maybe Shanghai would favor the Norma, but a Burium would favor the Norma, but Sepang, even though it's got those that pair of long straights at the end, yeah, and the bend, no, would, yeah, would favor the Ligier, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the season. Cool. So that is your LMP3 class. Uh, so six cars in that class. Again, Le Mans invite on the line there. And finally, the GT3 class. So no GTE spec in Asian Le Mans series. Uh, it's just probably a little too expensive to get out to Asia in the GTE cars. Um, but we do have uh, four different GT3 cars in the Asian Le Mans series. We've got a BMW Ferrari, Aston Martin, and a Huracan. I'm surprised that there isn't an Audi, and I'm definitely surprised there isn't a Porsche, but I'll talk about that a little later on. Um, Nine cars in this class, and there's going to be a few names here which we're just not going to know. So we'll start from the top. Uh, We have uh, in this class uh, last year's champions, Car Guy Racing in the 488 GT3, with Takeshi Kimura, Kei Cozzolino, and Antonio Fuoco um, as the three drivers in that car. Now, they won the uh, the class last year. They had their opportunity to go to Le Mans um, with Takeshi Kimura and Kei Cozzolino. Kei is now driving with the MR Racing team, if I'm correct, uh, in the WEC, and he's been setting the sounds world alight. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, so he's, he's probably the the biggest super silver in this class uh you'd say yep yeah and the oh. fact that they got a former formula 2 driver on there i mean another another one of those instances of a uh open wheel guy didn't make it to formula one or at least for the time being uh just switching the sports cars see how it plays out is that antonio forco yes nice yep. so they they actually had a pretty good le mans uh chris they were your pick for the le mans uh, uh, race and GTE Am. Whereabouts did they end up finishing up? Do you remember? Uh, no, off the top of my head, no. I did remember that they didn't have a good. St- what car are they? Fifty-seven. I am. I am. I've got my my spotters guide with all the positions throughout the race right next to me, so I'll have a quick look. They finished just behind the troubled Proton Competition Porsche, which had to replace the front end. So, not a not a great result, but definitely not an awful result from them. Um, just a quick look at the rest of the entry list. Do you think they, they're going to get challenged for the overall win? I reckon there's one or two teams that might have a shot. Uh, definitely. I think... I'm just going to name them now. Uh, team AAI to be at that BMW, maybe... Well, because that's a rec, a force to be reckoned with in Asia. The J-Lock Lamborghini team from Super GT, D-Station Aston Martin, Spirit of Race, um, and then uh, yeah, how about, of course, a Ferrari? So basically the rest of the field. <laughs> uh, uh, a, good, a good chunk of the rest of it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll get into some of those cars now. Um, we'll 
go through the two Astro Veloce Veloce Motorsports BMWs. Uh, Next, they're both from China, um, and they have uh, drivers in the 16... um, I'm going to get these all wrong. Uh, Yaki Zhang uh, and Zhuiwei Lu uh, in the 16 car. And then the 17 car... Oh, a name that I recognize, Jens Klingman as the gold for the 17 car. And then uh, Pei Wen Ki and Mark Weiser from Brazil in uh, that car. So Jens Klingman is a name that I recognize from a European GT3 scene. Uh, and then the rest of them, I have no idea. <laughs> and that's okay, because they're, the team is from the Chinese Endurance Championship. Nice. So they have... Uh, Decent standing in the Chinese Endurance Championship? Are they are they uh, well, one of the front-running the teams? They raced, um, so they didn't have an M6 GT3. They had like an M3. Okay. Um, so if this is their first GT3 car since the Chinese Endurance Championship. It's not that... Uh, they only have like one or two GT3s and the rest are like GT4s on down. It's like, kind of like a VLN-esque style. Yep. So this is their first time with the M6. It's going to be interesting on how they do. Cool. Um, We'll jump straight that, on That to- livery is gorgeous too, by the way. Oh. God, that's gonna look. If if it's the same one they were using in that, oh man, is that I the am... is that the like kaleidoscopic red one? Yeah, yep. holy crap, that looks amazing. Oh, mm, oh, yeah. Yep. I, I hope it's there. It looks yeah. fantastic. That'll that'll maybe look. They did, maybe they did do the M sixty three in the later ends of the championship, but they did like an M three before. Yep. Cool, cool. So that'll that'll be a very striking car. You you know it when you see it. Um, yep. Next up in the entry list is the Hub Auto Corsa Ferrari. This is a, a car that has raced at the Bathurst 12 Hour and raced. I think they actually took victory with a different driver lineup in the uh, Laguna Seca round of the Intercontinental GT Challenge. Yeah, kind of dominated that race. Yeah, but that was with uh, I think Tim Slade and Nick Foster in that car, um, and um, Daniel Sarah. Daniel Sarah, yeah. So yeah. this is a, this is a really interesting mix of driver location and talent. So we got Morris Chen, which is from Taipei, uh, Marcos Gomez from Brazil, and then Ooh. parachuting from the sky, David A. Regon, uh, factory Ferrari driver in the WEC. Uh, just added to the Hub Auto, Auto Corsa car. Yeah, <laughs> dude, the the Ferraris are um, are have a lot of talent in them for some yeah. reason. In this, the uh, the gentleman driver, I definitely think is uh, Morris Chen because I, yep. I I think that has got to be business something like that related. But Marcos Gomez, he's a Brazilian professional racing driver. I think he raced in Stock Car Brazil. He does. Uh, I don't know if he's still is he in there or yeah he's still he, in I think there. he won a championship too if uh at some point I think he won in like in the mid two of the top in guys in, in Stockholm Brazil and this kind of reminds me because I remember talking about this in endurance chat of how all these South American drivers are you know becoming more and more up in the mm. mainstream or not at least in the mainstream coming into sports car racing from either Stockholm Brazil or ACTC Argentina but it's happening. Yeah, definitely right. I mean, we've seen that with Felipe Fraga in the WEC racing yeah, with Keating uh, Motorsports. Um, yeah, so n- now another one is is running the Super Silver Roll, and that 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 could be a, a championship winning car between like I thought Car Guy was a very very strong car straight off the gate, but now this one this one's really strong as well. It's just awesome seeing guys from coming out of their main series stepping into another thing for the winner, just giving it a try. Yeah, the. 
the next Ferrari as well is kind of scary. Spirit of Race with uh, a th- another three-driver lineup. Um, Francesco Piovanetti is the um, is the, the bronze driver. Um, he's got a USA flag next to him, but I'm not sure. That's not a very USA-sounding last name. Um, Daily Sports Cars saying Portugal. Oh, okay. So that, that would make a bit more sense. Um, but then uh-huh. the other two drivers in that car are Oswaldo Negri Jr. Uh, from Brazil. And then, again, parachuting in from above, Alessandro Piaguidi. So Ferrari aren't messing about. They're sending some big-name drivers into this series. So how do we feel about that trio of drivers? Actually, the reason um, Francesco Piovanetti has the American flag, probably, because I mixed up the PRs up here. Portugal, actually, it might be a Portugal. Puerto Rico, yeah, maybe. I'm right. <laughs> You're right? I don't know. I said Puerto Rico before. Nice. So, Oswaldo Negri Jr., that's a name I recognize, but I'm not sure why I recognize it. Uh, he raced LMP2 with Michael Shank Racing. Oh, yeah. yeah he's, yes. He's Alice Negri. Alice yes, Negri. yes, that's who he is. He binned it at Sebring 2014 and or 2015 in the LMP2. I was so dejected because they had a shot at winning that race. Oh, uh, never mind. Sorry. Okay. Didn't they also win Petit? Yes. Oh, God. How did yep. they do that? Because because they finally had good BOP against the, the DPs. Yeah, like fair that. enough. Oh. So that, that'll be... He, he's a pretty decent that driver fifth spirit of race will be a a a force yeah we'll just say that that this is going to be an absolute uh this should be a good good driver lineup outside of uh Piovanetti. so i have no idea how he's gonna fare but those other two drivers are great how is he a silver oh he just must be that old yeah he's he's uh, quite old now he's he's okay. been uh relegated to super silver status by being old um but yeah damn pia guidi in the 51 car and Davide Rigon on the 27 car, Ferrari aren't messing about, are they? No, they are not. No, they are not. We'll move off of the Ferraris and we'll jump over to... Uh, actually, no, we're going to keep going with the Ferraris. Uh, T2 Motorsports, which is a Indian team, I believe. Um, they've got uh, two... Wait, IDN. Is IDN India? Indonesia. Ah, it's Indonesia. It's... Okay, that makes Indonesia sense. Indonesia does sound... More correct. Um, it is Indonesia. There we go. So we've got... Uh, I'm going to mess all these names up. David... Um, okay, let me... Let me, let me just let me just cite myself up. Ah, who deleted it? Okay. Um, David... Uh, Chip Job... Mm, Chib... Chip Choban Chotoro. Chip Choban Chotoro. Let's go with that. <laughs> Um, and then, oh, a name that I actually recognize, Rio Harianto is the second driver on that team. He's a platinum. Uh, and then Christian Colombo from it- Italy is the third driver. So I know Rio Harianto. Um, he was, uh, mana racing, right? Mana racing. He, did he get a F1 drive? Pretty sure he did. Something like he might that. have for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then... Uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it again. Uh, well, Dave, yeah, uh, Davey, he's, he's Davey Ferrari T. Davey Challenge. Yep, and then Christian Colombo. I believe he raced with this team in blank pan Asia. Okay, uh, and then uh, the uh, Christian Colombo as well, the Italian driver. He's just, he's the amp. Yep, fair enough. Um, do we see them challenging the other Ferraris as much? Um, mm-hmm. They've got Rio no, Harrianto in that team, though. Yeah, but so. that's not enough. Yeah, fair enough. 
Cool, cool. Moving so we, we've got <laughs> we've got two more cars on the entry list. Both of them are Aston Martins. Um, we've got the D Station Racing AMR, which looks pretty sick. That uh, it's like British Racing Green with an uh, with an Asian flair on it, which is pretty cool. Uh, and they're also being uh, I think helped out by AMR um, Factory Racing. So they've got. Um, the much maligned Satoshi Hoshino as the bronze. Ross Gunn is jumping across as the silver. So Ross Gunn, uh, Aston Martin young driver, currently racing with the AMR 98 team. Uh, and um, Tomonubo Fuji is the gold driver from Japan. Uh, I think this is their Super GT lineup, is it not? Or is it close to it? Something like that. And also keep in mind that this car, like one of the first times those ran, they literally went out and won the five hours of Suzuka and the Super Taiku Champ. Wow. Okay, they straight into it. Um, how do people feel about Hoshino back fine. behind the wheel? Fine. Uh, fine. Whatever. Fine. Yeah, dude, it's fine. I mean, everybody has their little gas and stuff, and I, I think he didn't even need to withdraw. So I. I, I well, I, I'm, not, I'm not just talking about Le Mans here. Like we've we've talked about Le Mans to death, but you know he also had a pretty embarrassing first lap incident at Fuji in the Porsche, where he was in for one race and made contact on the first lap and put both himself and the 98 car down the grid. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, sure. I mean, fair enough. There's there's definitely a couple here that uh, that you could that you could suggest, but I don't know. I think it. I think it's fair. The quality of the field. Um, I think attracts drivers like him, and I, I don't know where you draw the line. Oh, you had too many accidents; he can't drive. So I, yeah. I, I think he's fine. And if he has displayed confidence, and he himself is confident in his driving abilities, I don't think you can deny him that. So, yeah, fair enough. I I'd agree with that. And it would be better. It's better to see him on tracks that he might be a bit more familiar with as well. Um, so, so he might have a bit better an opportunity uh, through that. Uh, what about um, Toma, Toma Nubo Fuji? Uh, that's a driver I'm not familiar with. You said Super GT or Super Taiku? Uh, yeah. They, they definitely were racing uh, Super GT uh, this year, um, I believe. Yeah, they were right. Ra- yeah, so uh, I believe with... Uh, who is it? Fuji Josh was racing Paolo, with... Yeah, Paolo. Yep, yep, that's it. So... Cool. Yeah, as some local Japanese flair. Yeah, exactly. Which is interesting for a, a series that's now no longer going back to Japan. Um, just for a bit of context here, uh, while Satoshi Hoshino is in his 60s, um, Tomonobu Fuji is 38. So born in 1980, um, which is fairly old. And then you add to that Ross Gunn, one of the most exciting uh, young drivers in the Aston Martin program. And you had, a, you had a pretty interesting lineup of cars there. Now, do we think they're going to um, challenge the the string of Ferraris? Absolutely not. Absolutely not? You're confident with saying that right now? Yep. Uh, I think the Ferraris okay. are too strong. Not to mention that with more Ferraris at the racetrack, they're going to get more support than that one lonely Aston yeah, so it's gonna it's gonna make it tough for Aston Martin to be even. They, they might be competitive, but it's gonna make it tough. Yep, fair enough. Um, so we move on from that single Aston Martin, uh, to the Lamborghini, uh, the lone Lamborghini Huracan on the list, run by J Lock Racing, um, with drivers Andre Cuoto, uh, Yuya Motojima, and Yusaku. Mm, let me try that again. Yusaku Shibata is your driver lineup. All three of them are silvers. 
and what's... And they're all from Super GT. The Japanese, the Japanese Lamborghini's Owners Club is what JLOC stands for. Ah. And that Alpe Kuto, um, he got into a pretty serious accident a year or two uh, ago in China, in China GT, back at Chuhai, I think, or it, if it wasn't Chuhai, it was some other track in China. It wasn't Shanghai, that's for sure. But he got into a pretty big accident and kind of wrecked his back a bit. And he was in the hospital for quite a few uh, quite a few months, I think. Maybe not months, but a good few weeks. And glad he's back out. I think he did a full 2019 season, which is absolutely fantastic to hear. Awesome. Uh, so what's the MAC? Uh, is that... Macau. Macau. Oh, oh, nice. Okay, fair enough. So a pair of Japanese drivers and a Macauan? <laughs> Is that the correct? Mackin. Mackin. It's absolutely <laughs> <Yeah>. Mackin. <laughs> um, so, uh, whereabouts has. So, you said Motojima and Shibata are Japanese Lamborghini drivers. Um, so, are they running in Super GT or. Uh, yeah, they some... run Super GT with the same team. Oh, cool. Fantastic. So, uh, so driver lineup that's pretty well set then. And, um, yeah, it should be, should be a pretty good force. Uh, again, do we see these guys challenging the Ferraris? No. I, I don't think so. Is, is that because the Ferraris are just too strong, or do you think... Um... I think... Uh, this is this is tough, because J-Lock is like... They, they can be... Andre Kuto, he's good, but he's not that good to carry you know these guys. So, um... Yeah, fair enough. And these guys are all are all rated silver. So yep. um, compare that to you know the likes of Rigon and Piaguidi, who are platinums from above. It is it is a bit of a step in in driver talent. So last car on the list is the Fist Team AAI BMW M6. Um, drivers Joel Eriksson from Sweden, uh, a platinum driver. Um, Yongli He from China, and I probably butchered that uh, pronunciation to hell. And then um, Zhuangshan Chen from Taipei as the bronze. Now, you mentioned these guys as a potential challenger to car guy, Chris. What makes you say that? Uh, they're pretty strong in China GT. Um, they they pretty much have about, I think they have two cars at least in China GT. Um, and they pretty much do a whole lot of good in that championship. Now, Looking back on what I said, are they going to be even with Car Guy? That I don't think so, but I think they they could pose a decent challenge to the Ferraris. Yeah, I would agree with that. They, I mean, uh, they Joel Erickson, a race win too. Pretty good. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. DTM driver for BMW. So. No, I did not know that. There you go. So. They've definitely got... We've got a, a pretty decently talented list. You know, if you just look down the list, you've got Kay Cozzolino, one of the best super silvers in the WEC at the moment. Um, Jens Klingman uh, is racing in the uh, in one of the BMWs, which is a, definitely a good name. We've already mentioned Regon and Pierre Guidi. Uh, Oz uh, Negri Jr. is in there as well. Rio Harianto, former F1 driver. Ross Garn, exciting AMR young driver. So there's a pretty decent breadth of talent in this class to to give the gt3 class a lot of depth uh for, for the asian lawn series which is very exciting <laughs> I, I i find it interesting too that i mean asian Lawn Series is expanding in a lot of different ways i mean they're even including like a chinese commentary team to tag along yeah for, which is really really too. cool 
Yeah, and not only that, it's expanding within the the correct region. It's expanding in Asia. So, you know, we've talked about all these teams, um, but the only one not based in Asia in the GT3 class is the Spirit of Race Ferrari. The rest of them are Japanese, Chinese, Taipei. Um, you know, they're, they're still all based within Asia. And we've also got a few TBAs on the Wikipedia entry list, um, including a team from uh, Qianxi Racing uh, in an Audi, um, which yep, may... I uh, believe they supported the Audis this weekend at the Macau Grand Grand Prix, okay. So they they they've got a TBA as maybe one or two one-off entries, and a team that's that I actually recognise, Scott Taylor Motorsport, which is an Australian team. They've got a few TBAs on the entry list as well. So you know we might see them jump up at at the bend, which would be entirely unsurprising considering that um, the owner of the bend, uh, Miyasha Shahin, uh, would want to get in on this race because that well uh, he well sorry it's his brother that owns it, but Yasa races a bit more so. Um, we'll be probably see uh, Yasser out in a Scott Taylor Motorsport run Mercedes at the bend. Um, one thing that I am a little bemused by is the lack of a Earl Bamba Motorsport Porsche. I would have thought uh, for a Asian-based series uh, that the Earl Bamba Motorsport Porsches would have a run at it, and I'm a little surprised that there isn't any. Um, so, yeah, I... Uh, I just want to throw out throw that out there, um, see what people think of it. Any other teams that you you you're surprised aren't on the entry list? Aren't on the entry list? Yeah, um, like we don't have any. We don't have a Craft Bamboo Racing. We don't have a uh, uh, yeah. Uh, what were they just saying? El Bamba Motorsport. You know, these are teams that are pretty big in the Asian uh, sphere, but aren't in this series. Well. We, we just have to ask ourselves these this question. Do they have any intention of running Le Mans? I mean, these teams are mainly like SRO focused. That's right. a great there point. Is, right. If they don't have an avenue to get to GTE racing, even for instance, that this, you know, that it might not be worth it. Also, I mean, just the amount of entries, all of these are going for a championship. So there really is no, it doesn't feel like there's any partial season entries. Um, so this is really kind of, if you're going to be racing in here, you're going for, you know, what what is a bunch of ultimate prizes so mm. and that's actually a very just not want to be doing that yeah that's there's, there's actually a very interesting point that chris made as well that you know the the goal is to win a le mans invite and the only car in that entry which you can't possibly scrounge out a le mans invite for is well sorry not scrounge out le mans invite but that doesn't have an appropriate gte spec analog is the lamborghini you know the ferrari's got the 488 which you can upgrade the aston martin has the aston martin which you can upgrade and the the bmw if they release an m8 you could possibly go hey we won this series in a bmw we want to take a bmw to le mans you know they could let that happen but yeah um in saying that though the porsche i'm yeah as i said still surprised the porsche isn't gonna be there but oh well so who wins who wins the gc3 uh class which ferrari reigns supreme Hard, hard to go against it. it eh, it's just hard to go against Spirit Race for me. Spirit of Race, Chris. Uh, yeah. What do you reckon? Um, uh, I'm gonna go Habato. And just to be different, I'm gonna go Car Guy Racing. So we've picked all three contending uh, GT3 Ferraris that we reckon are gonna be the ones to beat. So yeah, good luck. Good luck picking out of those three. Uh, 
And I think that is the the end of the entry list. So we've got, as I, as I mentioned, 26 full season cars, possibility for one-off entries at local races. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Um, and finally, is there any any other final comments you want to make about the Asian Le Mans series? Just keep in mind that all race threads, uh, since it's an ACO Pro Type Championship, will be, will be up on r slash WEC. Um, you can easily watch the qualifying and races live on their YouTube channel. Um, and it could not be any more easier to follow this series now. Every, everything is either live or on demand, English commentary, uh, pit, pit lane interviews. And it's just, it's just the fact that we have more entries this year than last year and more bigger name entries and the, the fact that Lamar invites are on the line. It's going to be a good time. And I think that's that's a very good point. It it will fill that ACO prototype racing uh, gap over the northern winter for me. Oh, sorry, yeah, northern winter for me. It's in the middle of summer, so uh, it'll be. It, it's very different for me to have racing over the summer. But yeah, it'll it'll fill that gap for you. What about you, Cookie? Any last comments on the Age One series? Uh, yeah, just to continue to enjoy the growth of the series. Um, really, this is one of the the best four four car class uh, series that you'll see. I mean, you could say that it goes against IMSA and ELMS at this point with the amount of mm. potential competition. I mean, relative competition to the drivers that are that are racing. But I, I think there's going to be a lot a lot of, to talk about and a lot of highlights that will kind of cover Asian Le Mans series, and it's free. And you it's free. It. It's really awesome. It, it is It is quite awesome. And we will be giving it the full treatment over here on Endurance Chat for the first time, um, mostly because of the bend round, really. That's that's the reason that I'm super <laughs> excited about it. So I'll, I'll oh, hey. have to give I'll have to give everyone a, uh, a, a trackside report from the bend um, talking about the experience of being at an ACO. Because that'll be, this will be my first ever ACO event. Like, you guys, you guys, oh, yeah. Yeah, you guys yeah. have a bit more of a proximity, um, to maybe not ACO, but like IMSA sort of stuff. Um, no, over I'm in the a States. seasoned veteran of two ACO events, my dude. So, uh, oh, yeah, sorry. The, the 12 hours of Sebring. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. Um, no, with well, 12 hours of Sebring and then the 1,000 miles of Sebring. So, yes, yes, so. of course. Um, but yeah, this will be my first ever ACO event, which is kind of weird to say as a as a mod of the ACO uh, subreddit kind of well, ACO analog subreddit really uh, that this will be my first ever ACO event attending in person. So I'm I'm really excited. <laughs> it's a yeah, it'll, it'll my work. first ever ACO watching ACO spec cars. I have to travel across the country. Yeah, well, you should you should have just gone to Road America, man. Road America. Well, they don't have them there. They have yeah, they the do. GT Le Mans cars, which is ATO spec. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah get freaking dunked on. Hey, are, are, are we done with the episode? Are we done? Uh, yeah, I guess we are. Uh, thank you very much for listening. <laughs> no, no, hold on. Hey, wait, hold oh, on, oh, no, hold oh. on. Um, what, guys, like, thank you so much for the for all the code stuff. That was awesome. I mean, the, the stickers look, uh, everything, you know, at... I don't know. I thought the 24-hour race was awesome. I was watching the entire time, and I saw our uh, our logo and everything, and that was super, super great. So thank you, everybody, for donating. That was fantastic. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll echo that statement as well. It, it's been awesome to watch this community grow in such a positive way um, and to be able to, to sponsor, to, to fundraise the sponsorship for two Creventic races this year um, through 
the podcast and the subreddit has been it's been phenomenal and yeah getting those photos back and watching the stream was just awesome to see so again i'll echo cookie statement thank you very much for all of our listeners and being patient with us and for getting into into these sort of things and yeah allowing the sub to to grow beyond just the the place on the internet where it sits and become a an, an actual living breathing part of the world sports car scene uh it's it's been amazing to watch it grow like that. So, yeah. Thank you. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I've been Marcus Alvaro. That's been Austin and Chris. Thank you very much for listening. Peace out. Because Cookie, we, we, we do well with the two Americans. So on the- la, 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 la. That is true. We can, we, can, we can bend the English language to our will. Why are you singing Crocodile Rock? Because you went la, 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 la. Oh, okay. Well, I remember when Rock was young, me and Susie had <laughs> holding hands and skipping stones. Yeah, all right. Um, I'm actually going to turn you just up a little bit, just a smidge. Yeah, well, we I'll be messing with your levels all night, sir. <laughs> I did not consent to this. I hope you recorded that. I, I Yeah, I've been recording since we started singing Crocodile Rock. <laughs> uh, what do you expect? For, what, did you, what did you expect? I don't know. My the uh, I don't know. A, a decent performance from, from you, me, and Chris. Oh, yeah. well, you got that. We're, That's not we're, we're professionals. Mm, no.